0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Broering from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist editor with Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com and Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. We've got uh, a lot to discuss because we've actually got real live college basketball action from all local teams playing, including Thomas More football. Well, that doesn't count for this podcast, but yes, we've got real live college basketball to talk about, fellas. Yay us. Is that the it's first amazing. time this year? I
1: think it is. That all teams are in action?
0: I truly in- think it is.
1: In
2: twenty twenty one? Well, no, because uh, UC and Xavier both had the the, the, the same stop date, right? January tenth. But did we have we started yet?
0: I don't think we did because the Bengals had one more had January third. I I, honestly I think this is the first week that they've all played I swear I think it is that's crazy and whether I think it is or not it's a great thing that they all did so yay us um so let's start with the most recent which was UC today we do this on Sunday nights and UC with a uh, win over UCF and and Chad the the last four games um are all wins they've not been aesthetically pleasing they've been a grind they've been goofy They've been a team that has thrown the ball around like crazy. It's a team that's made a bunch of mistakes. It's a team that I'm not sure is very good, but they've won four games in a row, and they've got to feel good about themselves, right?
2: They feel better about themselves. I mean, they're, they're now above 500 in conference. They're finally 500, back to 500 on the season. Um, you know what? It's weird, Skinny, because at times they are aesthetically pleasing.
0: Right. And then they get up seven or nine and they blow the lead and then they're not. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, some of the stuff at the end of the game, especially the past two games has just been kind of comical.
0: Well, some Uh, of these guys throwing stuff in out of the ocean, but yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: Right. I mean, you know, like they, they were in control of that first half pretty convincingly until the 16 minute mark. Um, Johnny Dawkins finally switched up what he was doing defensively. Went to a zone that through UC and in quite a bit of a funk they end on a nine Oh run you know, a 10-point lead going into halftime, hopefully turns into a one-point lead going into halftime. You're kind of thinking, you know, great, here we go. You know, they're doing it again. They come out on a 6-0 run to start the half, then they don't score again for another five minutes. Like, this team is an absolute roller coaster. Like, you do not know from possession to possession where they're at right now. But, you know, for me, the key thing is we're starting to see some of this core come together and, and you're starting to see a future where John Branham wants this program to go. And that's at least, you know, the most promising thing we've seen over the past, you know, two weeks or what you know, since they came back in action is, is the, the picture is starting to become a little bit more clear of how this program you know, picks itself up from what was, you know, a brutal start to the season.
0: I mean, and Rick, I'll ask you, I mean, I mean, three and seven is just awful. It it looks awful for a pro look three and seven for some programs. I'm sure they're happy to win the three, but I mean, UC is not one of those programs. And so you're sitting at three and seven and you keep getting games postponed and you're hoping to play. And then you do play and you grind out a win on the road. And then you grind out another goofy win on the road and then, okay, five and seven looks better. And then you're playing temple at home, which I thought they'd boat race and they didn't. And then you're playing UCF at home today and it's up and down and up and down and up and down. But I mean, you look up seven and seven for this group at where they are, where they were and how this season has gone. I'm going to guess if I'm John Brand, I'm sleeping pretty damn well tonight going, hey, whether I figure this out or not long-term, I figured it out in the short term and so have my kids.
1: Well, and we kind of knew this was going to happen when we talked, even a few weeks ago when they were at their Did we? low point. Yeah, because we looked at their schedule and what was ahead, and it was like, even if they continue playing at this level, they're still going to win some games because the American is that bad. And that's what we're seeing right here. Temple and UCF are that bad. And I'm not trying to discredit what UC is doing. They are no, playing sure. better, but we knew they were going to run into some wins, and we knew it was capable. They could string a handful of wins together in a row, and and kudos to them for, for pulling together and doing so. As far as the aesthetically pleasing or not part we know why they're not aesthetically pleasing it's because it took mike adams wood going three of six from deep just to get them to 27 percent today that's why i mean they can't shoot this team cannot shoot that's why they're not aesthetically pleasing they can do some but, other but, things
0: but 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 they also make a bunch of mistakes i mean they miss blockouts but they miss they turn it over keith williams tries to do too much i mean there's, yes but there's the, a lot but of the, those things but, but the keith
1: williams trying to do too much in the turnovers thing i think is directly a result of the fact that they can't shoot. I mean, like Chad said, when they went to the zone and figured it out, like, hey, we're just not going to let Keith Williams uh, blow by us off ball screens anymore. Like, I mean, that one take he had where Chris Vote didn't actually screen anybody, but Keith Williams yeah. waited to clear and he went by and, and then finished on, he started on the left side, finished on the right side of the rim. That was a fantastic play. But it's one, you know, you can take away when you realize this team can't shoot.
0: How about Madsen down the stretch, Chad? I mean, it it feels like it's been a different guy. It was DeJulius for, you know, a game. It feels like there's a different guy down the stretch making huge-ass plays.
2: Well, it was DeJulius. DeJulius took over, and then Madsen went to the line and banged a couple critical free throws uh, to get them across the finish line. Um, DeJulius and Williams really were the two guys that, with the game on the line, a game that that they could have very easily lost, and. I'm sure John Brandon is going to be thrilled to not have to see Brandon Mayham anymore this year. Mayham has not played well all season, outside of scoring 25 against UC when they played in in Orlando, and 21 tonight. Five of eight from three.
0: Well, I, th- I, th- uh, I think I heard. I, think I heard. And cor- you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong. I thought. I thought I heard Dan Horde as I was watching the game. I thought I heard he said he's 10 of 15 against UC on threes.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and he has not played that. I mean. He's one of those dudes that he will, he'll pull up. He did it the first two threes he made in the game today, early in that, that first segment, he shot them from like 26 feet and, you know, bang both of them. Most of the time, he's not making those shots, but he will take them. And it was, you saw him make both of those and you're like, here we go again with this dude. He's going to, he's, I, I, I leaned over to Justin Williams, uh, well, as much as you can lean over to somebody from 10 feet away
0: <laughs> with a mask. Um,
2: yeah, with the mask on, of course. I said over under uh, 23. Uh, he, there was the under, which was surprising. But, um, you know, it, it's just somebody is starting to step up at the end of these games. And somebody Madsen,
0: though, it feels like. Yeah.
2: Well, Madsen had big free throws. Mike yes. Adams-Woods hit two free throws down the stretch that were big. The Julius had a couple baskets, including a, a end-to-end finish on a steal.
0: Yeah, the one with the left-handed layup. Yeah, yeah,
2: that was really kind of the, like the 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 trendsetter for getting them out of serious danger because you know they were up big, and then UCF cut it to fifty-one-fifty, and it looked like they had the momentum again. And then Williams has a really pretty pass underneath to Mike Adams Woods for a layup. And then DeJulius goes end-to-end for a bucket. And you see goes from one up to five up and and gives himself a little bit of breathing room there. Um, But yeah, people are starting to step up and make plays at the end. And that was the problem at the beginning of the season, right? They would get to the four-minute mark or the six-minute mark, and they'd be in the game, and they would fade. And that's not happening right now. And Rick's right. It is against Temple and Tulane
1: and but you get, UCF,
0: but you got to do it against, and I'm not trying to soft shoe this, but you got to do it against somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It has to start somewhere. And they are playing better. It's not like there is an improvement. Like Chad right, said, they right. are coming up with some plays down the stretch. Like the, the coaching staff deserves credit for what they're doing, considering they really haven't gotten much better in terms of shooting percentage from deep or anything like like. They haven't had some drastic improvement in terms of guys playing a whole lot better offensively. I think DeJulius has stepped up some on the yeah, offensive he, end.
0: He's the one guy to me that's kind of taken that step where you're like, okay, you're, you're starting to get it, dude. I
1: think Keith Williams has kind of stabilized a little bit. He's not as up and down now. You kind of know a little bit more. He's been more efficient. From. Yeah, and then I think also the emergence, you know, he didn't really do anything in this game, but I think Zach Harvey can give them something um, when he's fully back and and ready to go. Here's the most fascinating question to me right now, though, with this program going forward. Mason Madsen is finding a role on this team, and he looks like he's good enough. He was the guy that was supposed to be in the throw-in with Gabe Madsen, who was the sought-after recruit. Right, right, right. Gabe Madsen has left the program for the season, opted out. Like, how does that all play out now? Are, I mean, does Gabe come back after the year or what are they separated now? Or what's, what's the plan there? Do you think?
2: No idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, predicting how this plays out with Gabe. Cause you know, Gabe is a kid that, that has struggled a lot. I think with, with COVID with, with the way that, that everything is gone and, and being kind of stuck in isolation uh, as the way that the, the beginning of the season went, um, he struggled with it and and clearly struggled with it because he opted out. But you're right. Mason Madsen is becoming a pretty critical piece on this team at what, 15 minutes, eight points, hit a, hit a big three today. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, he's,
0: he's one of those guys I, I I love that doesn't try to do too much, does what he can do. You does can count his on thing, him and you can count on him. Exactly right. Yes.
2: It, it's the interesting thing for me, Rick, is, as you talk about, you know, Harvey and, uh, you know, Davenport has certainly stepped up in a million different spots, uh, and and we've seen now Mike Adams Woods two games in a row in double figures. Williams and DeJulius right now are your two guys, right? Th- sure, those right, are right, those right. those are the guys that you're at the top of your uh, scouting report, if you will. We're starting to see, and it's 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 changing and evolving in each game, but each game there's a third. Right. And and I don't think they had that really consistently or at all earlier in the season. And they and, were still. And it's keeping. a different
0: it's, it's a different right. third. And right. that's not a bad thing. And maybe
2: today it was it was Adams Woods. It was also Chris Vogt. Right. You know, 11 points, four of six from the floor. Um, still not great at the free throw line, but he had seven rebounds. He had two assists. You know, they're they're, they're starting to find a little bit of a rhythm where. Different guys are stepping up and they're, they're realizing how to kind of ride a hot hand for a stretch. I thought the, um, the game Friday was a perfect example of that because you had Zach Harvey with an eight-point stretch. You had Mike Adams-Woods with a five-point stretch. You had Keith Williams with a couple stretches where he, he strung some points together. And, and all of a sudden now, this is a team that's not one-dimensional. And, and Rick's absolutely right on the three-point shooting. Um, that has been I at some point it has to correct above <laughs> what it has been. Uh, but it hasn't. And, but you're almost sitting
0: of, you're almost at the point of you yeah. are what you are.
2: They're sitting at 30%, like every night. It feels like, you know, 27 to 30 percent. I think they were at 30 percent against Temple. They were twenty-seven percent today.
0: Love the um, mid-range love the hashtag love the mid-range game.
2: <laughs> well, how about this skinny? You'll love this. Uh, Yes, they struggled in the second half today. One of six from three, about nine of 12 from two.
0: There we go. Hashtag love the mid-range game. If you can shoot the three, great. Pump them up. But if you can't,
1: don't. Chris Vogt is shooting 37% from the free throw line on the year. And I was listening Uh to uh, Dan Horde and Terry Nelson. Thank God
0: they let him inbound the ball at the end.
1: Dan said that Chris was struggling at the free throw line. And Terry said, you can't say he's struggling, Dan. And Dan said, well, what do you want me to say then? And he's like, it, it's if you're shooting 60%, you're struggling. He's horrific. <laughs> yeah. Yes,
0: it's, it's <laughs> perfect. Exactly. And it was smart to let him inbound the ball at the end of the game. I mean, honestly, don't well, let him get fouled.
2: You, know, you probably would have preferred not to have him in, but.
0: Well, um, probably, but it, it is what now. it is. I mean, got right. <laughs> put. Hey, they, they, they don't require you to, but you probably would be smart to put five on the floor, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, John just
2: said, John said game He just felt comfortable with the, the lineup that he had um, back from, uh, go back to that point where the pass to Adams woods and then the, the drive by to Julius, he felt comfortable with the group he had on the floor at that point in time. And he rolled with them as long as he could. And then, you know, he quickly got Chris out after that and, uh, and, and, and got some more free throw shooting ability on the floor at that point in time.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so Chad, uh, so, so Houston's next a week from today, as we do this on Sunday night, can, can I,
2: can I, can I bitch for a minute?
0: You can, I got a question to ask though. So let me make sure I remember. We'll get question. to, okay. I remember. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Yes, okay. go ahead. We'll, we'll get to that.
2: Okay. So Cincinnati has had games p- postponed against both Wichita state and Houston.
0: Okay. Yes, and, and, and they don't play Wichita state again, apparently. So, Wichita
2: State and Houston both had games postponed this week due to COVID. Yes, they did. Wichita and Houston have played once. They were scheduled to play again next week. Next Thursday. Not this coming Thursday, but the following Thursday.
0: The 25th.
2: Yes. You had an opportunity to get Cincinnati a makeup game, because Cincinnati has a bye this week, Correct. essentially. Correct. They, they, they do not. They play
0: today. And they don't they play until do next play Sunday. They do not play
2: until next Sunday. That's right. They had an open week with two opponents that they had games postponed against available for Cincinnati to play this week. And instead of scheduling one of those games, the American confident Conference in their infinite wisdom, moved the game on the 25th to this week. So Wichita State and Houston play Thursday, and Cincinnati is still sitting idle with games to make up. Please, someone explain to me how that makes sense.
0: Please. Do, do they think, and, and I, I don't say this in a bad way, do they think those are the top two teams in the league, right or wrong? Sure. They, but hear, hear me out. And do they think that Houston is the one that benefits from that, from a seed standpoint? Benefits from what? Moving the game up a week? No, playing Wichita instead of UC. Skinny. Listen to what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying. I, I, I They were already going to play the second game against Wichita. Or the next fear of, week. Or the, or the, again, the fear of, hey, as long as we got bird in the hand of you guys are healthy, let's do this.
2: How do we know they're going to be healthy on Thursday?
0: We, we don't. But but then your, your fallback plan is, guess what? Next. Uh, I, look, I, I get what you're saying. I'm also getting where leagues are it's, trying to do look, what's best, what they think look, we can do to the top. Look,
2: okay, great. Uh, are we are we trying to make up postponed games
1: or not?
0: Well, then that's a legit point, no. too, because apparently UC is not and Xavier is not. And no, the leagues
1: the, are not. Leagues are
0: not, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, thanks that's, for coming in, it, but yes, you're Rick, right. That's, that's what right. I'm saying. The no, that's right. You're right. It's It's BS.
2: It's total crap. They had a perfect <laughs> opportunity to get one of those two games made up this week. For a Cincinnati team that's on a four-game winning
0: streak. Right, but do you think they care about UC or do you think they care about the top two teams in the league to give them A? A, Listen, A, plan A, and then B, plan B.
2: No, I don't think Brian Thornton cares about UC.
0: Well, (laughs) he's a Xavier guy, (laughs) so there there is that. No, I, I, I get your frustration. I get the frustration that anybody from UC would have with that, but there's a part of me that also understands that Let's get the t- understands what the game is scheduled, right? But hear me out. You, if, if you got a chance to have it scheduled in theory twice, of if it doesn't work this week, let's go to next week, but let's try to get it in this week. Both teams are no, I, I, I
2: hear you. I think it's, I think it's ignorant.
0: Okay. That's fair. Um, I, I just think that's maybe a big part of this. Um, so that's where I was, I was going to go next. So, no, so-
2: here's, here's the big part of this. I'll tell you exactly the big part of this. Houston's game on Thursday scheduled to be on ESPN or ESPN two.
0: Well, there's that too. So they moved it
2: so they could get Houston, Wichita, which are one, two in the conference on ESPN or ESPN two. Here's the end result. That's going to happen skinny. It doesn't matter if it's Wichita state or it's Cincinnati. Houston's going to beat the hell out of whichever one it is.
0: Yep. Yeah. In all likelihood. Yes. that's, That's, that's a fair point. Um, I, I get the frustration. I do. I, I get it. It's just it's, well, in this year, In this year I'm open to anything. I really truly am. But, I just, but, I just don't know if there's fair for anybody at any point in time. Cause there's just not, there's nobody else available for Cincinnati to make up games with. Everybody else has games this week. And this is really their last week to do it because, yes. because they have uh, um, after Sunday against Houston, they go Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and then Thursday, Sunday again. I, I mean, you could argue they could play Tuesday, March the second. You could argue it, but that's probably not optimal either. This so. was a
2: chance for Cincinnati right. to you're make fair. up the game. A, you're right. There were two games that were postponed. You, UC has both of those opponents on the list of games to make up, and neither of them are going to be made up. It's, yeah. it's 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 a
0: joke. It's a joke.
2: All right, the so. American Athletic Conference is bad on the floor in a clown show in the in the in the Boardroom. conference office
0: boardroom yeah let's go boardroom, boardroom
2: whatever like boardroom. Yes. they don't have a boardroom they can't afford one of those give me probably, a break probably not All right, clown so, show
0: let me ask this question before i move on to xavier and then nku in kentucky and to the uh top reveal from this week in the top 16 seeds what is a reasonable expectation chad for uc down the stretch they've got at houston um because of the gap and then at tulsa to lane at home memphis at home Smoo at home at east carolina what's a reasonable expectation down the stretch
2: I mean, we've we've already seen them beat SMU. Um, I don't think Tulsa is any good, but it's at Tulsa. They're usually a much better team at home than they are on the road. Uh, East Carolina stinks. Um,
0: but they got Houston at home. We should. Ar- I mean, we should point out they didn't no. Get Houston they at home. don't have
2: Houston at home.
0: No, I the American said no- Athletic Conference moved that game. It's in Houston. No, no, no. no. East Carolina got Houston at home. Oh wow! Well. Yeah, yeah. It- That's a lot. Yeah,
2: if Cincinnati had Houston at home, maybe they got to go to Houston because the conference moved the damn game and wouldn't let Cincinnati play Houston on Thursday.
0: I'm with you, but again, the point of East Carolina is not winning at Houston, Skinny. No, 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 no. My point is, hear me out. You talk, you, you said East Carolina stinks, and they do. And they have to play at East Carolina and East Carolina got Houston at East Carolina. So it's okay, not okay, sure. It's not, it's well, that easy. place is a nightmare. Yes, correct. That's why I, so slow well, down for a second. I'm trying to get go to go that there. point. Yes. <laughs> I know.
2: Sure. Maybe <laughs> thank, they lose. I don't know. Th- th- thank you, Rick. You <laughs> see <laughs> <laughs> UC's had page. a couple good teams lose at East Carolina because that place is a graveyard. Um I, I you know, I, I think you 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 think Four you can two. be you think you can beat Tulsa on the road. You think you get Tulane at home? Memphis is a gigantic enigma. I mean, who knows with them? You so, think so, Cincinnati turns it over a lot? Watch a Memphis game. All right, so they so might turn it over twenty-six times. Rick, so Rick, you four said, and two, Rick. I think four and two is yes. Four and two is good finish.
1: Be they're a not great winning finish.
2: in Houston. I, I, if you can get one of two, if you can, you get you beat Tulsa, you beat Tulane. If you can get one of two between Memphis and SMU. And then uh, you go East four Carolina. and two down the stretch. You beat East Carolina. You go four and two down the stretch. Uh, you finish what?
0: Nine and six in the league and 11 and and, uh, and nine overall. Not and great, th-
2: but a hell of a rebound from
0: three and nope. seven. Okay, so hear me out then. So the, my last question, because I'm going to ask Rick the same thing. So nine and six in the league, at the way it stands, gets them probably at worst a four seed. Because Smooth is certainly, they're, they're tied with UC at the moment with four losses. So it gets them a four seed for the conference tournament. I know Rick has talked about the horizon, which we'll get to, and they're doing a different formula. I don't think the other major conference tournaments are. Um, A, should UC then be looking forward to a conference tournament with a chance? Or is it, eh, it just is what it is, and Houston's going to win it, so it doesn't matter? Or do you look and go, hey, four seed, man, got a shot?
2: Well, what we've seen from Houston over the past couple years is Kelvin Sampson doesn't put a lot of value on the conference tournament. Um, they they do not, you know, place a huge importance on that.
0: Okay. So you but see if, the four seed would play them in the semis. In the semis. Right. right. And the, if things worked out, you beat them, and then you're playing the Wichita Memphis winner on a neutral floor. Give me that. I, if you gave me that right now for a shot to go to the tournament, sign me I'm freaking in. up.
1: Sign me up. I'm in. Yeah, you need you need Houston to sleep off well through a game as they've done once or twice this year, or you right. need someone to throw in a bunch of threes against them somehow and get them in a high scoring game that they are right. not really equipped, they're not play. comfortable with. Right, right, exactly. Which again, which possible, I mean, but it's more likely in the NCAA tournament than it is the American tournament, probably. I mean, yeah, no, that's probably all, right. All you but... need is
2: you see to hit a bunch of threes in the game. I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> duh. I was more referring <laughs> to someone else hopefully doing that. <laughs>
0: All right, let's turn our eyes to Xavier, where uh, after a 69,255-day layoff, they've played again and didn't play very well, losing to UConn 80-72. Um, I, I don't want to ask if you're surprised, Rick, because the Butler game maybe was an outlier. It had been 20 days since they played. They went on the road to beat Butler. I think you've made the point, and you're right, that Butler's not very good. And UConn is, but UConn also played without its best player, um, in theory. Uh, were you surprised with the outcome? Were you surprised by the way the game transpired or do you chalk it up to listen, man, it's just a year where if you get no rhythm going and they had played one time and I'm not making excuse, trust me, I'm not, but I also get it one time in, um, in 32 days. That's just hard, man. That's just hard.
1: It is. I'd like to go back to that in theory point on James book He is without a doubt, their best player. Okay. I don't know right, good, what exactly good, that good, was, but he's gonna be a lottery point. pick. Right, he good, averages 20 good, a game. Good he's point. unbelievable. Yeah, good good point. Um, I, So in terms Who of the of house theory is that <laughs> Good point. <laughs> in, in terms of this game, it, it, you know, it finally, the layoff seemed to finally catch up for Xavier. They just seemed a little sluggish, a step slow. They didn't have a lot of energy or juice or whatever you want to call it on defense. At the same time, I think we all understand that if you're going to go get a big road win at this level, it requires someone to play their best game or a, even above their their level for a team to pull off a win like that. And that's exactly what UConn got in RJ Cole. I mean, he was five of seven from three. And you can say, okay, Xavier's defense wasn't great. And it wasn't. But when you go five of seven from three, the way he did, those are the type of shots you can get pretty much in every game. I mean, he's shooting a couple threes that were three or four feet behind the line. He's coming off screens and yeah, he's kind of behind him and Xavier's not right up on him, but for the most part, it's the type of shot anyone can get in any game. So, I I mean, to a certain extent, I I think you got to tip your cap a little bit. Xavier just didn't play their best and they may have been good enough to gut it out. Typically, had they not run into RJ Cole at his absolute best.
0: Right, right. All right. So Xavier still sits number four in the conference, as goofy as it sounds, based on winning percentage. And I don't know what that means, but that's where they stand. 571 winning percentage at four and three, sandwiched between UConn at six and five below them and Seton Hall nine and five above them. Creighton's played 16 league games, which is just insane. <laughs> and Villanova's played 10 at eight and two. Um, So Xavier's still very much in theory in the front of the pack. And you and I have talked, and I made the point on our weekly podcast, and I was obviously wrong that. They could run the table. We both agreed there probably is a long shot, but they're still in that spot where if there is a conference tournament, and I want to get to that in a second, but if there is a conference tournament, they still got a chance to put themselves in a great spot for that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the conference tournament will be more important for Xavier this year than it's really ever been. And that's one yeah, of the uh, things.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, you've kind of jumped me a little bit. So for seeding, you believe, or just in general? Yeah. Well, in, I mean, just because. General?
1: Yeah, because I mean look, just looking at, even at this UConn game where you know, I mean, some Xavier fans are freaking out a little bit because Xavier didn't play very well. And I mean, I guess because Book Knight's out, they think losing to Yukon is unacceptable. And it's like, right. well, I mean, this is the big east. That's just how it is. If if RJ Cole is gonna play like he's a lottery pick himself, then what does it matter if Book Knight's there or not? You know, I mean, like Yukon is still going to be really difficult to beat. They have higher ranked recruits than Xavier does. So even without Book Knight, there's still a tough out for for Xavier. But all of that being said. I think I understand a certain amount of angst because there is added pressure for each game now with Xavier because there's a smaller sample size because there's just not as much of a resume to go off of and we're eliminating the Villanova games uh you know right. they don't have those big scalps on their their resume still to to get I, I mean I think they're you know you look at a loss like UConn and now all of a sudden the St. John's game and the Butler game right after it do become a little bit more meaningful, and if you lose those games, you are a little bit more worried than you would otherwise be in a typical Big East season, where it's just another loss because you're going to play 20 Big East games. Typically. Right. So, right. and and that trickles down to the Big East tournament then, because again, with a smaller sample size, each of those games is a bigger opportunity for Xavier. So, if they could win two more games in the Big East tournament, I think that gives them a much better case when it comes down to their NCAA. Tournament resume. Uh,
0: I'll ask this for both of you guys. I mean, usually it's been, you know, usually conference tournaments don't amount to a hill of beans other than if you can run the table when you have to run the table and maybe you get moved up a seed line, maybe two, but two is a big stretch. Is this year going to be different? If, uh, and that's the other part, I guess I have to ask if we have conference tournaments, which we still don't know if we're going to have, because we've got another, what well, was it? February 26th is the deadline to have it. Um, so, I mean, are are our are, are conference tournaments for all these teams? And, and obviously, UC is not on the bubble. Neither is Kentucky. Neither is NKU. So, I guess it, it for our audience, it it really derives with Xavier. I mean, so is is the is the Big East well, conference tournament that big for them for seed? They're
2: having the Big East conference tournament, but okay. first off, right. let's right. there's. There's no
1: chance they're not having that I And I agree with with that. Yeah, And that's the sentiment I've heard recently as well, that that the directive has been, we're going to find a way to have this thing. Um, Even if I think, you know, based on what I'm hearing from, this isn't like officially sourced or anything, but just some conversations I've had with people I know in the, the basketball community, I think there are going to be some protocols that are kind of lifted or looked past to get not only conference tournaments, but the NCAA tournament through quite honestly, like, I think you even heard that this weekend when they revealed the seeds that if a a guy tests positive, that they might just quarantine that one player, separate them, test everyone else. If they're negative, then the team will still be able to go on.
0: And you know what? Let me just say this from a high school perspective. Duh. It's really not that hard to do that. It's just not. It's just silly not to. But okay.
1: Yeah. So, um. yeah, no. But for Xavier's purpose, I think and, and not just Xavier, but across the high major conferences, the teams that have the fewer games played where you have a smaller sample size, but then also you have this weird record to look at. I think the more wins, any of those teams are able to pile up, the better it's going to look to the tournament committee and, yeah. the, you know, the better you're going to feel about it. So, yeah, I think the, the conference tournaments will be more impactful for any of those teams who haven't played as many games.
2: First off, I just want to say it was really nice to see UConn win in Cincinnati again. It's, it's been since 2011. It's been a decade. So, and, you know, congrats to them for uh, for breaking the Cincinnati bugaboo. They just had to switch conferences to do it.
1: Um, uh, did, did Hurley get more wins in some center <laughs> than Mick Cronin? Maybe. I think he did. And one, Here and one go, try. I did. Here we go.
0: Here we one go. Here we go.
1: I think he did. One try. Interesting.
2: <laughs> um, not going to lie. I hit up Danny after the game and said, hey, you want to donate to the Crosstown tip off? I can get you two wins over Xavier that. He didn't respond. I was kind of disappointed.
0: <laughs> well, you could have gotten up to Mio's and gave him a pizza or something. I tried. I tried. Yeah, um,
2: okay. I mean, I, the the it's so weird for X because, like Rick said, it just with the fewer number of games, you don't have a great feel, especially with no Villanova and Seton Hall once. And, you know, the, the way that the cancellations have happened for them have been pretty detrimental because it's been the top of the league that they've had postponed. Um, so yeah, if you can, if you can get to Madison square garden and, and win two games there, absolutely. It helps your resume because right now, like we talked about this a little bit last week, but the more you look at it, the big East is, is still the metrics are, are solid, but without having those, those big pieces of pie on your resume, win or loss, everybody's kind of like Xavier. Like, they're all kind of the same. It's all kind of a mirror image of each other of, of you know, solid metrics, good net numbers, which I'm sure we'll get to talking about here um, Yeah, when we the do reveal. the uh, – with when the reveal. reveal right. if, if the reveal is any indication, the net is going to be uh, way more important probably than it should be because I – I think it's being used improperly, but we'll get to that. Um, but anything you can do to get that net ranking up is going to be massive. And it, it might hold more weight than we've seen with conference tournaments in the past. And I might be jaded on that because uh, we found out over the past four or five years, playing in the American conference tournament uh, is akin to playing a rec league game at the Y on a Thursday afternoon.
0: Okay. It means zero zero maybe less maybe less than zero maybe it hurts you more (laughs) than it helps you yes that's right
2: that's what i'm saying
0: that's a fact
2: Uh, so so we'll see but they're gonna play in madison square garden i don't think i'm with you you don't Uh, you don't book madison square garden and then decide on your own that we're not going to use it that's that's not how madison square garden works
0: well and i think for most of the major conferences i think we would agree the tv money is there yeah the minor conferences and we'll get to this with NKU in a second is a lot different and maybe a whole lot different, but we'll see. I, 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 I hope they all play because I think there's so much fun There's, You know, I'm, I'm one that I'm the old guy that thinks the regular season is completely meaningless to some degree. And I just love when conference tournaments start. So that's just a me issue. Um, and I want to
2: say, I want to say kudos to Rick for waiting for me to walk right into that trap.
1: That was well played. <laughs> Was well played. Low low, low hanging fruit on my end. So yeah, I mean, that was was
2: well played. I'm I'm giving you kudos for waiting for that and then and then hitting it out of the park. That was well
0: done. So, Rick, you and I, you and I, have talked a little bit on our weekly podcast about um, Xavier's remaining schedule and the potential to run the table, and obviously that didn't take place because of UConn. So, what's a reasonable expectation for them to finish up?
1: Well, they've got six games left as well, I believe. So, I mean, I think you're probably in the same boat. Four and two is a solid and reasonable expectation. And, and I'm doing
0: this. It's fifteen and five, and eight and five. Does that sound right?
1: Uh, they're eleven and three right now. So four and two would be yeah, fifteen and five, um, and then
0: eight and five. I think for the league. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. they're four and three. So yeah, eight and five yeah. for the league. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it's like Saint John's has. They just lost, but they had been playing well. They're dangerous, and you're playing them on their court. You got Butler at home. I think that should be a win. I think you should go to Providence and win, but it's always dangerous to play there. Creighton at home, even though it's at home, it's dangerous. Um, And then I think you should wrap up with two wins at Georgetown at Marquette, but you're going to be playing two Big East teams on their home court. So, you know, I mean, this, this Xavier team, I think one of you mentioned it earlier that ju- they just haven't played enough for us to know exactly. I've talked about it multiple times. Like, are they a good team or a team with a good record that hasn't exactly been tested? And exposed I mean, yet? And- I mean, think
0: about, think about this for a second too. They played and you certainly, Kurt, they played 14 games, nine in the first five weeks. Is that right? Four weeks.
1: Something like that. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna yeah, it was crazy, right? It but it was crazy. But, yeah.
0: but yeah, it's crazy though. I mean, so it's not been very much of late. Is the bottom line?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, since the you know the month of January started, they've played four games. So yeah, right. Tells you what tells you what you need to know right there, and it that's in hard six to weeks. do. That's hard yeah, to do. But at, at the same time, I think the Connecticut game and. You know, I mean, none of the losses you're ashamed. You lost at Creighton, you lost to Seton Hall at home, two good teams, and the UConn loss coming off a long break wasn't great. You'd like to have it, especially considering you don't have a ton of games, but it's nothing terrible. But at the same time, even going back to those early games when Xavier hosted that tournament and they struggled to get past Bradley, they struggled to get past Toledo, they struggled with Eastern Kentucky at home and went to overtime. Like, those games also showed some inconsistencies with this team, and I think they've moved past that. But they were predicted to be in the middle of the pack, maybe more towards the bottom of the big East for a reason. I think they're better than seventh, but I don't think they're necessarily second or third either. You know, I think they are somewhere in the middle of the big East this year.
0: All right, let's move on to Kentucky um, with a win over Auburn on Saturday, 82 80 and a crazy finish and a crazy game. And it's come off a handful of pretty good performances. Arkansas could have been a win. Wasn't 81 80 loss. Tennessee could have been a win. They led with about 10 minutes to go. Wasn't Tennessee boat racing down the stretch. Missouri on the road. Missouri's really good, ranked. So is Tennessee. In fact, Missouri, I think, when the reveal was a four seed, which we'll get to in a minute, lost 75-70. And before that, Alabama was another loss. Um, Do you make anything positive out of the Auburn game? And, I mean, obviously, Kentucky has one hope, and the one hope only is to go to the SEC tournament and win it. But did Saturday do anything other than and, – and for me, I'm in the boat of you're in rup and you haven't lost whatever amount it was like four in a row ever and you just got a win that you had to get. Auburn doesn't guard great and it just is what it is.
2: I think it is what it is. I mean, that's that's not a good Auburn team. Right. Um, You have to feel at least a little bit better about the fact that they didn't Actually collapsed, oh, even though yeah, they, they almost yeah, right, they, right, they almost old. collapsed. Right. But that th- th- it's so crazy. This is a Kentucky team that, a lot like Cincinnati, they've been in a position to win a whole lot of games, and they haven't won many of them. And it it, it was with it was Cincinnati, it was getting better. With Kentucky, it was getting worse. They were playing worse over the past three weeks down in the, the final five minutes of right, game. Yeah,
0: I said, down the stretch, especially yes.
2: Uh, No, no, I mean, pointedly down the stretch, a lot of those games, they were winning by a decent amount going into the stretch run and got got punked at the end of the game. So Auburn's not very good, but it's good for Kentucky to get that taste out of their mouth of uh, we keep collapsing at the end of the game because that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy as you go along.
1: I I would say there are a few positive takeaways from my perspective. Uh, One, Brandon Boston scored 17 for the second straight game. He had three assists, no turnovers in 30 minutes. I think he – is showing that he's starting to figure it out a little bit, and that does give you a chance if you have a, an elite talent like that starting to play closer to his level. Uh, that could help them in the SEC tournament. The other thing is I did think they executed a game plan pretty well against Auburn. Their goal was to make them shoot over the top. Auburn shot 33s. They shot an okay percentage at 36%, but I still thought, like, you know, Sharif Cooper can be a nightmare. And oh, you can't guard tape. him.
0: You You can't guard him. You they really fo- can't guard him
1: but they forced him to attempt a lot more jump shots than he likes to do or where where he's at his best. And so not only him, but with the rest of that team, I thought they did a a good job of sticking to a game plan on defense and and executing it fairly well. Even though they gave up 80 points, it it was still just enough to win.
0: Here's the funny part, because for much of this year, it was all about Kentucky's offensive inefficiency, and it really truly was. And they were guarding people and doing a great job. What do you think has changed in that regard? Because now all of a sudden you're looking at teams are scoring 80 on a nightly basis and maybe it's a change in tempo. They had to start focusing on offense. Okay. All right. I I mean, I, I mean, I'm just trying to figure it out because I mean, they were, they were guarding for a good chunk of the year.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I don't know how good Keon Brooks is defensively for one. He's no, playing a lot point. of minutes. I think he might've hurt their defense a little bit. Jacob Toppin, uh, Dante Allen getting more minutes. I don't think those guys are as and good And those guys either.
0: are not great. Yeah, I mean, I, Dante Allen's not for sure.
1: I mean, I think when you're playing Isaiah Jackson, Olivier Saw around the rim a lot, you were tough to score on at the basket, and maybe that helped them, so... Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. The thing is, I think they can get the defense back a little bit if they want. The hard part was figuring out how to score points. Right. Um, right. You know, they made 11 threes in this game against Auburn.
0: That's where right now they're in the high 70s, 80s on a consistent basis. They're not finishing games, but they're in that spot. Yeah. Well, so. it,
2: it, it goes it goes back to what we've talked about all year with Kentucky, right? Their problem offensively was that the four was a black hole. So then when they fixed that problem offensively, Conversely, defensively, it becomes a problem because right. the, the offensive options are not the guys that are, are good defensively, and all of a sudden you become a little bit easier to score on around the rim, which opens up driving lanes, which opens up you know, guys being able to, to drive and kick for more open threes. Well, it's a it's a six of one half dozen of another.
1: Right. Let's let's be clear about this team, too. I mean, they're not a team with like a high basketball IQ, a team that's been super cohesive or anything the whole way. I mean, we knew they just the communication isn't there. The IQ isn't there all the time. That's their issue on defense as well as for sure. For sure.
0: All right. Rick, let's get to NKU where Friday night was not good. Lost to Green Bay, came back and beat Green Bay on Sunday. And uh, NKU had been on a roll um, I don't think it it stops the roll now. Right state comes back next. So um, what'd you make from the weekend? Um, again, I in, you know you would like to keep the role going of sweeping people, but it's hard to do on back to back nights. And Green Bay found that out at home. That was probably a pretty good weekend for NKU.
1: Well, yeah, and I think the second game felt like a must win, considering right, the way right. the Horizon League seeding situation is set up, and. We just don't know the exact formula and what they're going off of. They've said they're basing it off of strength of and, schedule. And, they're yes, waiting and, road and, wins and, and home
0: wins. Yeah, and to cut you off for a second, when when people look at the schedule, and you made the point during the week, um, it is not look at the schedule and go that team finished first, Standings. that team finished second, that team finished third. Right, and yeah. so it's a, it's a way different formula.
1: Yeah, they're not going off the standings. Each Monday, right. they're releasing their own seeding rankings for the Horizon League tournament for the last few weeks. Which is wild. Yeah, so by the time you know people are listening to this podcast, they might already be out. But going right, into this right. weekend, NKU was fourth. And if you get a top four seed, you get a bye in the first round of the tournament. You Then you will get a home game, home game. in the quarterfinals. They so get the semis. So that's yeah, big. That's a ma- and semifinals is in Minneapolis. So that is a massive thing to get that top four seed. NKU was fourth going into this weekend you know, Youngstown state was right behind them. NKU beat Youngstown state twice at home. And then Youngstown state won twice this weekend at Purdue Fort Wayne. So they weren't going to drop it all, but they don't necessarily jump NKU with a couple of home wins over Purdue Fort Wayne, especially if NKU picks up another road win at green Bay, which they did. So I thought the Saturday win felt like a must win to kind of hold off Youngstown state. Yeah. Did not
0: get swept. Did not get swept.
1: Right. And Detroit was the other team right after Youngstown state they were at Cleveland state who's number one as of last Monday and they got a win at Cleveland state. So, you know, it it felt like a must win after Detroit won on Friday night. And if you're NKU, you don't know exactly how that impacts this formula that no one is really clear on exactly what it is. So I think, you know, a lot of it's going to be based on kind of the metrics, RPI and, and the net rankings. And they're kind of trying to go off of those and see which wins should mean the most. But at the end of the day, that Saturday win was a huge bounce back. They had a lead for most of the game. They lost it in the final 90 seconds. And then two freshmen, Marquez Warwick and David he's, Bam, he's stupid. had huge buckets to, to win the game. And then Bryson Langdon iced it at the free throw line for them. So it was a big win. It was one of those wins where, again, they kind of showed some maturity and shown some growth since that four-game losing streak they had earlier in the year. And I think we will hopefully see that they are a top four seed when the new seeds come out on Monday.
0: All right. So that's going to matter if they have a conference tournament. So the NCAA is determined that by uh, February 26th, which is a Friday, you have to decide if you're in or you're out uh, conference tournament wise. And I think we're all in the belief the major conferences will do it. Um, Rick, do you believe the horizon will do it or say, you know what, you win the league, you're in?
1: I mean, based on everything we're seeing right now, they seem pretty committed to it. I mean, the fact that they're putting together these rankings each week and they kind of have this committee work on it. It makes me think that they're not just giving this lip service and they're going to say it's a money thing at the end of the day. And, and they're just doing the PR thing. Like they're spending some serious time and, and manpower on this, I would think. So I think that they are going to do everything they can to play this tournament. I have I would say i'm I'm slightly more on the side of them playing than not, but it's it's real close to a 50 50 at this point for the mid major conferences I'd say
0: and, and Chad, I'll, I'll go to you with this. Um, is there any way that none of the major leagues go we're done. you know, whatever big 12, Pac 12, Big Ten, any there's no way any of them say no, we're not doing a conference tournament.
2: I mean, I guess the only one that would make any sense given what we know would what be the pac 12? But
0: but they're they're playing, so it's not just not like, like right, I know, you know,
2: that would be the only one that would even remotely make sense. Look, the SEC is playing. The Big 12 is playing. There's I can't imagine a world where the ACC doesn't have a tournament.
0: Correct. Correct. Um, They were one of the the originals for goodness. Right. (laughs) Um, The
2: the Big East is going to play in Madison Square Garden, as we talked about the American, how can you pass up a chance to play in Dickies arena in Dallas? Uh, just a, you know, a bastion of basketball history. Um, <laughs> and the big 10, the big 10 has the most to gain. Like they're all going to be pl- like that. You get to the quarterfinals of the big 10. Everybody's a top like 40 team Correct. right
0: now. Correct.
2: You're giving, you're giving yourself a chance for a lot of marquee wins in those, in those situations. I can't see anybody canceling. I can't at this point. And that's the
1: big key, even more so than just the TV contracts for the conference tournaments. Those are fairly significant when you're talking about those conferences, but it's finding out how many teams you might be able to get into the NCAA tournament if they pick up another win or two and they're a bubble type team. Each one of those now gives you an extra chance for NCAA tournament money. And if you get those credits, those that that means more than anything for these tournaments and how much money they're making. So I, they're all well, going to play and that
2: and, and, be, and finally, Skinny, I mean, at this point, we don't know what. The, the selection committee criteria really is. Going no, to be no that's,
0: right. Jan, that's right. Not to cut you off. And I was going to, I was going to get ready to say but something, you, but you're right. good at that. I mean, it's your thing. Yeah, I know I am, but, but that that's what I was <laughs> going to ask you of. We don't know where the cutoff is. We don't know where the right. bubble, is. we don't know where the committee is. And that's exactly the point of, I just, I think just keep playing this out as much as we can, because we don't know where all the line is. Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We don't have any clue what the line is. We have no earthly idea other than what we saw from yesterday when the the top 16 was revealed.
0: Right. We'll get that. We have no earthly
2: idea what they're looking at this year. And in most years, we have a pretty good idea. Right now, we don't. So you play it out, you get as many games in as you possibly can, and you see where the chips fall.
0: All right, so the, the NCAA NCA did reveal the top 16. I don't think there was a lot of surprises, and that's we're 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 back to the bubble when we were just talking. So it's I mean, we're we're way down the list. I mean, the top 16 is not hard. You can argue 17, 18, 19, 20, but those teams are all in the tournament. So we're we're not on that stage. Um, Gonzaga was the overall clear number 1 seed. Baylor was the clear number 2. Uh, Michigan was 3, Ohio State was was 4. Any problem with that? And um, I'll give Michigan credit today. I mean, they're getting boat raced at halftime by Wisconsin after coming off a lengthy layoff and came back and won the game. And I'm like, okay, you guys are legit. I'll give you credit for that. Any problem with the one seeds, fellas?
2: No. I mean, the first two are a lock.
0: Yeah. And Ohio State's
2: State's not far from that, given how their resume looks right now.
0: Dude, nine quadrant one wins. Nine. I, I don't like them. I'm not a big fan of them. I don't think they're great, but it is what it is, man. You look I, it up and you go, okay, you're good. I think
1: Holtman can really coach.
0: Oh, I can too. I'm with you. Absolutely. And he's great.
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think
2: I think Titus is on to a point, though. He, he's getting to the point where uh, he's the most overrated, underrated coach in the country.
0: <laughs> That's good. It's a funny line.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody says it after every time that, that Ohio State right. wins. Right. Holtman is the most underrated coach in the country. Okay. Well, okay. He's not
1: underrated. I don't think he's underrated. I just, yeah, I think he's really, good. he's really good. I'm with you on that.
2: I just think it's funny. Everybody is like, Holtman never gets the line is Holtman never gets the credit he deserves uh which everybody says, which means he's getting a lot of credit that he deserves. Yeah. I he's guess it's, really good.
1: I guess it's different coming, you know, when he was in the big east and everyone was acknowledging it then. So you know what I mean? Like on this, <laughs> on this side, it's like, yeah, we we've been saying that for a while. But right. Um no, I think Ohio State is definitely worthy right now. And I think, you know, especially today, they're looking pretty good with the Michigan pick. I think a lot of people have been high on Michigan over the last few weeks. So honestly, I don't feel great about any of those teams that could have taken that third or fourth Right. One yeah, I, mean, seed. I think they're yeah, as good yeah, as anybody.
0: The, yeah, the one, two are clear. We know that part. That part's clear. All right, so let's go. We got Nova, Bama, Illinois, and Houston.
2: I don't like any. I mean, th- I like Illinois I, because I, I
0: I do too, because I like their talent. But I, Alabama, Houston, Nova bug me.
1: I, I'm, not, I mean,
2: I'm not a huge believer in any of those three.
1: I think Nova's is pretty much as good as any of the number one seeds. If we're being honest, I think this is another year where they will be dangerous okay, to win at all. Fair enough. Uh, just, fair just, enough. just because of the, um, way, the way they play, I think they're, they're always dangerous. And the fact that none of the teams are except for Gonzaga are overwhelmingly more talented. I think they'll, they'll have a chance to make it to the, the elite eight final four again.
0: Yeah. And, and then we get to the threes. You're in Virginia, Tennessee, <coughs> West Virginia, Oklahoma, Xavier's one over Oklahoma, West Virginia has struggled a little bit. Tennessee's had some struggles. Virginia lost to Virginia Tech. Um, and I get you lose games, but I, I'm not sure I like any of those teams either.
1: I think Oklahoma can play any one style. I, I, they're, they're not great, but they're good and they can do it a lot of different ways. They can score from multiple spots. I think they have a chance to be kind of a dark horse at a, a four seed.
0: All right, so we're we're at the fours where you get Iowa, Missouri, Texas, Texas, Texas Tech, Texas. Um, I think Iowa's really good when they're healthy, and obviously CJ Frederick's been out for a while. The Cuffcath grad Garza's had some foul troubles. Um, Missouri, I like a lot. I just don't like. Don't know if I love them out of that group. Yeah, I mean out of that group. So so we're so are we literally like four or five teams that we really like, guys?
1: Oh, I mean, I think there's yeah. What one team I really like? That's Gonzaga. I'm yep. not as high on Baylor as everyone else, but I understand yeah, they I'm are not very either, but solid.
2: Yeah, I, okay. I wasn't either until I started watching them a little bit more. Man, they're they're really really yeah, they're, solid in every phase. Very like, they, solid. They don't have they don't have what's their weakness? Like most, where are they where? It's where not they so weak? much.
1: It's not so much that. It's more so most years would you think they're in the top two teams in the country? Right. National right. Championship favorite? And, and I don't think that's right. the case right. for whatever reason this year, we just don't have those high end talents aside from Gonzaga. I think Baylor is certainly worthy of being the number two team right now. But if you want to tell me that they're capable of being upset by any number of teams, I'm willing to listen to that argument. So right. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think Texas, this is the best team Shaka's has had. In my opinion, I think, they're they're playing well, they're finally figuring out on offense and they've always been able to defend. So I think it's kind of uh I, I don't expect Texas to win at all or anything, but they're as dangerous as they've been in recent memory. But I don't love any of these teams. I think
2: we're yeah. looking at I think we're looking at a tournament that is either dominated by the one seeds
1: or a complete cluster.
0: Or, or, or hell breaks loose. I just yeah, think- because
1: I don't I looking at two, three, four, I eh. Eh. I, I'm down to see a couple 11 seeds in the Final Four again. I'm with you. I'm. I, I love it. I love it. This would be the year for that. Well, it's also it would be the, would be the epitome of this year.
0: It's also the year for Gonzaga to run the complete table, right?
1: They should I mean, and win every so game so far by Far and in away, the yes. best team. Yes. And yes. I, mean, I, I, I think
0: with you guys, I'm not sure Baylor is. I think Baylor loses at some point. But Gonzaga, how do they lose? How do they lose?
1: I I don't have an answer there. I, I mean Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Rick, final thought. Nah, I got nothing.
0: Um, you had bonefish tonight. Was that good?
1: Yeah, a little surf and turf action. That was they, right. they don't really make a great steak, to be honest, though. It's like did, I, did, I ordered it medium. should <laughs> I should have just ordered the thing rare because it was like charred on the outside. It's like that's not how you do a fillet, whatever. You you
0: know you know I love to put you on the spot. Did you pop the question tonight? <laughs> <laughs> At,
1: in a, at a strip mall in buttermilk
0: no yeah. I'm, a, I'm just asking babe no. i'm asking no you know i didn't we
2: haven't are you close are you close trying to save your rick shut
1: up shut up Chad. are you close are you first closer? time i was interested in what chad had to say i know you were.
0: <laughs> all right i'm gonna leave it at that uh chad Brendel. any final thought
2: uh well one we, ha- we have a new favorite fish in the Brendel household
0: which is bonefish? Where Rick should ask the question of. Never mind.
2: No, it's a red snapper.
0: Oh, red snapper's good. We had
1: that yeah, on we, vacation we, last year. It was good. Yeah.
2: We went to uh, we went to Jungle Gyms last week, and they had the like you the the fresh fish on ice, Nice. and it, you get you can you pick your red snapper, and then they'll fillet it for you. And Kelsey doesn't generally like fish, and we brought it home. And uh, I I said when we were at the the counter, I was like, well, we're gonna need a little extra because when we bring this home my daughter is going to say she doesn't like it. And then she's and going then to take a bite of my wife's right, right. And, and eat all of my wife's fish. And so then, that's exactly what happened.
0: And then you had more for her, correct?
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that, that was the, the thing. And now Kelsey's Perfect. like, when we go back, we got to get the big one. Uh, so that we have a lot of red snapper uh, when we cook it. Uh, yeah. th- th- thought uh, final thought. If you're wondering why college basketball doesn't look the same this year, watch that G league team. <laughs> Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, go, go watch that team. And if you're wondering why college basketball is lacking the star power, uh, Deshaun Nix, who was supposed to be at UCLA, Kaminga that could have played anywhere in the country, uh, Jalen Green that is, is probably the best player in this entire class, and there's a couple other dudes on that roster as well. If you're wondering why college basketball doesn't look like you're used to seeing it look, go watch that team. And then remember, one and done is probably on its way out. Uh, and those guys are going to be in the NBA. So get used to what you're seeing right now, because it's going to become more of the norm uh, than than what we've seen in the past 15 years or
0: whatever. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. So, fellas, in that regard, then at what point do you have to change your recruiting strategy? Because it's coming to that.
2: Now. Yes. <laughs> now. Now. Yes. Three years ago, probably, but now,
1: for sure. Rick? Yep. Agreed. Yep, agreed. That's what you got? That's all you got? (laughs) I mean, what else? (laughs) He already said it. (laughs) What else do you want me to say?
0: That is a Travis Sham mockery of a reply. <laughs>
1: I've, I've got the Lakers minus three right now. I'm not going to lie to All right, you. so you're
0: watching that. Hi, <laughs> right, boys. Uh, Enjoyed as always. Um, that was a good hour plus. I can't believe we did that. We, we got a bunch in in, in that time frame. Uh, for Rick Boring from Musketeer hey, can Report. We, can, we,
2: can we thank our communities real quick?
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. For the tips. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm so sorry. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Please do.
2: Thank you. Xavier, UC communities, what happened it, over the it, past it, four or five is, days? It
0: is so awesome. I, I I dude, I'm not a sap as you guys know. I'm far from a sap. I'm a head, but that is so
2: <laughs> that, is, that is confirmed. So confirmed. Yes,
0: but that is so cool. It's obscene. It's so good. It's so really and good.
2: Look, Rick and I actually had like a what a 12-word a text exchange about this whole thing. And I was like, hey, you want to do this? And Rick was like, "Uh, we should do it like this. And I was like, all right, we'll see what's going on. And then I tried to get a hold of him on Tuesday. um, And he was busy with a couple of things. And then he was actually, you know, getting uh, the sleep that humans require at one point.
0: Yes, which he doesn't Um, get usually, but yes. Right.
2: Uh, So then I was just like, well, I can't get a hold of him. And he kind of agreed to it. So I just put it out there. And literally, we spoke, we texted maybe 12 words to each other uh, before this thing started. And it was—I I never would have envisioned thirty-three thousand plus dollars. I was just saying. Raised,
0: and I—I I honestly don't know where we're at. Where, where are we at, guys? Do we know?
2: Yeah, we're. I mean, it's—it it ended up yesterday.
0: Yes. Um, where Where, where did we finish?
2: We finished over thirty-three thousand dollars.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a lot of money. That That number is still kind of staggering, but at the same time. I am not surprised that the two basketball community stepped up because they've shown time and time again when it comes to charitable things like this. Absolutely. They're all on the same team in that regard and they've been great about that stuff over the years, like we've seen. So kudos to everybody again for yeah. stepping up to the plate. And hopefully we made a few servers who have been screwed for a year now through no fault of their yep. own. They work at great yep. establishments that we all love. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we helped make them have a good month or at least a good week and whatever that helps with hopefully um they, they they're able to enjoy it yeah
0: dude God, that's outstanding i'm glad you said that chad so great stuff all right fellas appreciate it much for uh, chad brendall from bearcatjournal.com rick boring musketeer report.com i'm richard skinner thanks for being with us it's been the skinny podcast the weekly college basketball edition